Welcome to the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Let's join our geeky hosts on this week's episode. And welcome to the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. The only podcast where we drink, you think about what we said is wrong, and we tell you why you're not. We're really going to lose a lot of subscribers. <laughs> I'm just trying to get someone to comment and tell us. You know how how right and wrong we are. You gaslighting. Guys, this is gaslighting. Gaslighting. <laughs> gaslighting. But guys, seriously, comment on on what you're ta- what we're talking about on all of our social media platforms. But before we even talk about that, let's introduce ourselves. My name's Matt. I'm Adam, and this is our podcast where, like I said, we drink, we talk about things. Um, so this is week two of Joystick November, where I learned last week that we're not talking about porn. Yeah, it it was a very awkward conversation uh, with him and his wife. Um, she's she's at her mother's now. Um, yeah, yeah. Joystick November turned out I was at the wrong joystick. Mm-hmm. But folks, so you know, Joystick November week two. Um, so uh, we're gonna talk about a specific game. So this week we're gonna talk about a game that I picked that's kind of shaped me as a gamer. Really invested me in in the gaming. Um, we'll do Adam next week, and then we'll kind of do a game that we've both played yeah. the following week. Um, before we go into that, folks, like I said, follow us, like us, subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms at Have a Drink with Some Geeks. Um, I'll post a link in in the episode description and where you can find us to stream, um, as well as follow us on Facebook, Instagram. We still haven't decided on Twitter, yeah. TikTok at Geek Drink Pod at Geek Drink Pod. Yeah. So, with that being said, Adam, it is that time of the week where we talk about our drink of the week. It's time for those boys to have a drink. Let's hear about their drink of the week. Take it away, geeks. This one is uh, one of your concoctions. Yeah, so I basically made a homemade paloma. So it's white grapefruit juice um, marinated with ruby red grapefruits, mm. um, some agave nectar to sweeten it up a little bit, and then some club soda and tequila. Can't go wrong with tequila. No, can't go wrong with tequila. So, uh, yeah, homemade palomas, um, one of my favorite ways to drink tequila. All right. Well, All right. Cheers. cheers. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, it's really good. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't let your girlfriend pour because we've been drunk already. Yeah, or, or not. Or my be. wife, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. I don't want to make Adam sleep on the couch tonight. <laughs> or when she listens to this, finally. True. All right, folks. So um, with that being said, um, it's time to talk about our topic of the week. What are the geeks going to talk about this week? And our topic this week... Is one I picked, one that's near and dear to my heart. Um, not a lot of people talk about this franchise so much anymore. Um, we're going to talk about Metal Gear Solid. Yes. Um, now, um, just so you folks know, um, I've, I'm not as versed in Metal Gear Solid as Matt is. Um, so I'm going to be kind of letting him take the lead. I've played a few games, um, but uh, he's definitely more the expert. But uh, do you think, like, the franchise is kind of dead with Kojima gone? Mm, yes and no. Um, they've recently pulled... Um, that, that cancels each other out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I mean, he's gone, but he still is making his own games. I mean, he made Death Stranding, which was a phenomenal game. Um, 
So he's done his own. He, I mean, he split off from Konami and made his own mm-hmm. studio. Um, but Kojima, I think, is so recognizable in the industry. I mean, he is an icon. He is. That I don't think it's dead. I don't think the story has anywhere else to go. And I'm okay with that. And I'll talk about that a little bit later why. I'm, I, I'm just saying right now, Konami and Kojima, if you're listening to me, I need a remaster of 2 and 3 and 4 for the PlayStation 5. Ooh. I, I, we need that. Um, and uh, Xbox Series X. They were originally... I mean, I think Metal Gear 4 is still exclusive to PlayStation. I don't think it ever came out in Xbox. And, and the ColecoVision? <laughs> um, so, the Atari 2600. God. The final size for that thing. Oh, God. Um, so... And and I'll, I'll, like you said, you think it's dead. I know they recently pulled the HD remasters from the PlayStation Store and the PlayStation Now, um, just kind of over some licensing issues now that uh, Kojima's left. Yes. But there's talks that it's going to come back, and that's kind of fuel speculation and a lot of announcements coming out with new um, with the Game Awards coming out that they're going to announce a remaster of the trilogy. That'd be, so that'd be fun. crossing my fingers because they've already remastered the original Metal Gear Solid into the GameCube for Twin Snakes, mm-hmm. which was phenomenal. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But um, Do you want the game to play, like, the same? Uh, like, that's kind of a fun thing. Like, yeah. I, remasters, it's kind of like, would you want... You wouldn't. You almost wouldn't want them to, like, try and, like, oh, we're going to fix this thing. I'm like... There's nothing to... I mean, there's, there's always going to be something to fix, but there's nothing really to fix because when they remastered... Metal Gear Solid 1 mm-hmm. into the GameCube for Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes. The only thing they added from that game that was missing that they had in, in Metal Gear 2 and 3 and so on was the first-person shooting part. Mm-hmm. You could actually zoom in first-person and shoot. Yes. Um, that was a limitation to PlayStation, so you couldn't really do that as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think, really, the remasters need anything more. I mean, graphically, sure, an update was nice because it's PS2 graphics for some of those games. And, yeah. You know, we're in the... We're in the fifth generation now and so I can see a good graphical update but I I mean voice cast I'm okay if they keep the same voice cast because it's iconic I'm okay if they keep the same gameplay because I mean as we discussed last week the controller layout's pretty much the same for the X, for the PlayStation True, yeah um, so I don't think you need to remap anything in terms of that sense who did the voice of Solid Snake initially David Hader David Hader who he... also wrote X-Men and, and X2 two, yeah um, but uh Kiefer Sutherland did the oh, most recent one. Yeah, no, that we'll talk about that in hot takes. Okay, I, well, I am, I have, a, I have an opinion about that one. Um, I've only played really uh, Metal Gear Solid Two because um, that uh, again I had an Xbox and so it was the Substance one. Yeah, where they had some extra bonus features in it. And yeah. yeah, so. Um, I can I can talk a little bit more about. Well, let's talk about that one because that was my first Metal Gear experience okay. as a player. I've seen people play Metal Gear Solid the original. I didn't I didn't play it. Um, Metal Gear Solid Two was the first game I played in the series. And actually, the first game I bought for my PS Two. Okay. Um. So let me, give me your for your first takes on it. Well, I mean, like everyone knows, like it kind of changed the formula, I guess. So your main protagonist, like the protagonist, is Raiden. Instead yeah. of Snake, um, even though Snake's in it. 
And did you notice? So he goes by Pliskin. Yeah, so Kojima actually modeled him after Kurt Russell's character from Escape New York. I was going to say, because I'm a big John Carpenter fan, and he, I was just like, was Snake Pliskin. Ah. He intentionally modeled Snake in the first Metal Gear Solid game. Not Metal Gear or Metal Gear yeah. 2. Metal Gear Solid after Snake from... Wasn't like the first first game that came out on NES? Wasn't it like Michael Bean on the cover? Yeah. From yeah. Terminator, <laughs> but but anyway, uh, we're, we but I digest. Um, but but yeah, I just was kind of like, ah, I see you, Kojima. <laughs> I mean, and and Metal Gear Solid Two, I from my first game, it wasn't as divisive for me to play as Raiden because I didn't know better. Same, I, um, I had no idea, so I was like, oh, I can play as this guy. Yeah. It was weird running around naked. He had his hands over his crush. <laughs> Doing the cartwheels. Yeah. Still. Without, a, without really doing a cartwheel. <laughs> um, no, I think one thing that Metal Gear Solid, all the games have done, um, and, and it's an attribute to Ko- Ko- uh, Kojima style, mm-hmm. is the story. Metal Gear Solid was, like, even on the PlayStation, Metal Gear Solid was, like, the first game where you played a movie, where you played a story, and you... And you really wanted to get to the next cutscene and see what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah that actually, uh, that that makes a lot of sense. And that's something I never thought about. Is like, yeah, it, do, it did feel like you were playing this sort of like this, I don't want to say like a Jack Ryan movie because it's so ridiculous. Oh, God, yeah. But, um, we'll get into that, too. But you were kind of playing this sort of movie, huh? almost. And like everything is getting kind of, gets kind of fed to you in that sort of sense. Um, yeah. So I really uh, I enjoyed that, and I mean, um, the other thing, I mean, just kind of how they uh, I wasn't expecting the like weird glitches. <laughs> yeah, on purpose. <laughs> yeah, and I I guess that's a thing they did in the in uh, the PlayStation One game. Oh yeah, you had to play to beat um, the boss, um, Psycho Mantis. You had to plug your controller into port two. Because if you had him plugged in port one, he would read the moves and and you would you can never beat him. Yeah, I I just remember when they were like and the guys like you need to turn off your console. I was like, what's going on? Yeah, and <laughs> you almost want to just turn off your console and then um, because you're like, did I do something wrong? But <laughs> no, it's just it like Kojima is uh, is crazy. <laughs> no, I mean. And, and, and talking about that first in the Metal Gear Solid when you're fighting Psycho Mantis and you have to have your controller plugged in port two, they had the game read your memory card and he would talk about certain games on your memory card. Um, <laughs> it's like checking your uh, browser. History. Yeah, almost. <laughs> I mean, and then, then when they remade it for the GameCube, like I see you like Smash Brothers, you know, and they definitely talk about some of the games on your save files and like Castlevania was one he talked about all the time. So well, I, I mean, guess that's also a Konami, yeah, uh, Konami one. Yeah, so it was it was kind of cool in that sense. Um, it did things that you didn't expect. I know in Metal Gear Solid Three, which, and I'll say this right now, I think was the pinnacle of gaming for the PlayStation Two series uh, generation. Wasn't the best. I mean, it's the best Metal Gear Solid game for that generation, but it wasn't the best game in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a boss you fight, and you don't even fight the boss. Um, you know, one thing about Metal Gear is kind of weird is they always have bosses who represent emotions or or or, or a vampire uh, ideals. I'm a vampire, <laughs> who turns out he's not a vampire, and I'll explain that. 
<laughs> but like in Metal Gear 3, all the bosses are named after emotions. You have the sorrow, the pain, the end. Um, and I think it was the sorrow. He was already dead. But his spirit was when you had to fight. And by fight, I mean you walk through his a river and you had to avoid the ghosts of every player or every NPC you've killed in the game. So if you didn't, if you did a no kill game, it was really quick and easy. But if you're like me, you're like screw it, headshot, headshot, headshot. It was a challenge fight because you couldn't. If they grabbed you, you lost health, and you had to kind of navigate around them. Yeah. So I mean, the aspects of that where they started thinking about, hey, how does your gameplay affect the rest of the game? Yeah. Well, and I guess like you can that that is something that's characteristic of um, Metal Gear as well as you can uh, you can really pick how you play. Yeah. Like you can, it can be you a stealth. Could... It can be a stealth game. It can be Splinter Cell before Splinter Cell. Yeah. You could. Uh... Like, I remember in uh, Metal Gear Solid 2, like, you could, you had the little trank gun, and you could trank everyone. Yeah. Or you could shoot them all in the head, and or you can hide in a box, or you can hide in a locker, and it's like, you can really just, it, you can customize how you play. Yeah. And I think that as a franchise, and I've, I've tried, I played a little bit of the Phantom Pain, kind of getting ready for this, um... That one is like so many choices, <laughs> and it's open world, which they never did before. Yeah. Um. So and and you know, going back to any choices you had, Metal Gear Solid Three. I mean, you could you had to play, and part of the stealth action aspect was camouflage. Mm-hmm. And there are so many different camouflages you can find in the world. And every time you move somewhere else in, the, in a different level, you had to change your camouflage pattern, and yeah. you could have up to ninety five percent camouflage rating, and it was just like. If I'm going to play that stealth mode, I need to find all these camos. And I did that for a playthrough, and it was hard. Yeah. It was fun, but it was hard. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of touched on that in Metal Gear Solid 4, which I'll say right now is the best game in the series. Um, it's a stealth suit that camouflages if you lay still long enough, it camos you to what you're laying on or touching. Mm-hmm. Even to the point where in the first level, there's three statues on a fountain, and the third statue's blown up, and you can stand there where the statue's supposed to be, and you take on the shape. And camouflage into the stone. Yeah, I I've, I always saw like uh, funny little videos online of where he's like grabbing the statue's crotch. Yep. yep. In typical Kojima fashion, just trying to be silly. But for um, Metal Gear Solid Three, it's like I I remember um, a buddy of mine was saying like for the end is this old man sniper. And yeah. There's kind of multiple ways you can take like take this guy out. Three. Three. So you could do the hard way. The hard way. And, 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 and the interesting aspect of this fight is you never lost. He would snipe you and trank you and you'd have to start the level over from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And his boss level took place over three maps. Mm-hmm. And so you'd have to... And he would hide. And he was so good at camouflage. And he could spot you. You had to be like 95% camoed to even sneak up on him that... It was a hard, suspenseful fight. So the three ways, um, you can tell me the first one you heard of. Well, so the first one I heard of is uh, you can just, because it's an old man um, sniper, you can set your clock on your PlayStation ahead so far, and then he'll just die of old age. <laughs> yep. Um, method two was to actually do the boss fight. Mm-hmm. Method three, which I did once because it was just once to see what happens, 
is before you even get to his boss fight, and there's a cutscene where he's in his wheelchair being pushed around by another soldier. And when the cutscenes end, if you immediately go to your sniper rifle and zoom in where he's at, you can see him being wheeled away, and you can headshot him and take him out then. And it changes the boss fight to being like a bunch of high-level mercenaries at the fight. Okay. Um, but one thing that made that boss fight hard if you didn't normally was he had a parrot, and that parrot was also a lookout. And that's that what like gave away his position too. Yeah, or him snoring. Okay. Because he was so old, he'd sleep. <laughs> and oh. he regained his health through photosynthesis. That's a Gojima thing. Yeah, it didn't uh, quiet do or in Metal Gear Solid Five. The, oh, the sexy sniper. Yeah. Um. Yeah, she didn't talk, and it turns out I'm not sure if you want to be spoiled or not. She can't talk because if she does talk, she carries a virus that will infect people. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Kojima. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kojima is... He has some out-there ideas, and, and we'll talk about that in Hot Takes. Um, but, I mean, as a, as a gaming series, I think it really paved the way for these storytelling games like I talked about. Mm-hmm. Now It paved the way for Uncharted. It paved the way for um, these... Assassin's Creed. It paved the way for Splinter Cell. Oh, um, yeah, Splinter Cell. I mean, Splinter Cell directly, I mean, I wouldn't say stole, but kind of borrows a lot lot of that stealth genre. Yeah. But it was definitely a video game where I'm playing a movie, and I'm Mm -hmm. I'm playing it for the story. I'm not playing it for kill-death ratio or RPGs and leveling up. I'm playing it like on an honor the story. And that's really what got me into gaming because it was a storytelling device for me. Yes. Um, and you didn't have that. I mean, Mario, the princess is stolen again, and, and him and his brother have got to go save the princess. And it, it, it's, there's no story. Yeah. Um, even in the first few uh, Grand Theft Auto games, there was no story. Oh, yeah. Um, a, it was just... And not until you got to three. Yeah. Um, so this really, for me, was the the step into what we have in modern gaming with these giant world-building stories where we we ha- we want to play the next one to learn what happens next in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you... I mean, we, we probably would have seen it at one point, but I don't think it would have came as soon as it did with without Metal Gear Solid. Correct. I, I mean, it's like you think the first game in the series came out on the NES. Yeah. And then I think they had a second one. And that was kind of a U.S. version, yeah. And yeah. then they had an official second one. Yeah. And then, um, and then Metal Gear Solid, I mean, it was a two-disc game on PlayStation. Yeah. And that's, I mean, even when it got ported to the GameCube, it was still a two-disc game. Because yeah. that's how just a massive it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had some killer um, voice actors in the first one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jennifer Hale is a big name yes. that a lot of people know. And she, she did the first one and the second one. And the fourth one... Um, like you said, Kiefer Sutherland was in the fifth one um, yep. as Snake. David Hayter played Snake and, and Big Boss in the first four games. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 he's well known for not so much his video game work, because that's really all he's done for video games, but he's a writer and a director. And yeah. Without him, you don't have X-Men and X-Men 2. Correct. Two of the best in the series. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the second one. Yeah, I really liked the second one. That was great. But, uh, yeah, no, I... Uh, I've always been I like kind of very impressed with how it kind of also changed how we game because yeah. again you can pick how you execute a mission you can pick 
if you want to go stealthy, if you want to go guns blazing, and also like the feeling of the stealth was always so tense. It was, and the music helped. Yes. Oh my god, I, I still own the soundtrack of Metal Gear 4. Yep. Um, Metal Gear 3, it was a not a James Bond style story, but it was set in that era mm-hmm. of James Bond. And so they actually had like a James Bond theme song mm-hmm. called Snake Eater. And it was sung by, in the same style James Bond movies were. Yeah. Um, it, it, it took advantage of a lot of things PlayStation pioneered, like um, adaptive controls where how hard you push down the joystick to move equals how loud he's moving exactly um in the in the original it starts off and you play in alaska and so when you're out in the snow if you're moving too fast or you're actually walking you leave footprints and soldiers are like whose footprints are these and they'll follow them around yeah and i i I think the the ai almost or if you if you can even call it ai for a generation so like early but that that was always very impressive that like you felt like oh yeah the the enemies were smart yeah they were capable which kept you on your toes at all times you're not the big tank of a thing no. just going around shooting everything and all that it's not a gears of war it's not no <laughs> it's not, not a halo yeah. um even though the new call of duty has a lot of these stealth segments now but it's Definitely, like, you felt a little bit more vulnerable. You did. And, I mean, especially in, in both games, you don't start out with a full loadout. You've got to find and procure weapons. Yeah, you get, like, a ammo. pistol. Or... <laughs> yeah, you've got to... In the first one, you didn't get a pistol unless you went into the right locker. Yeah. You've got to find rations. You've got to find ammo, bandages. Mm-hmm. Um, you always had cigarettes. That was Snake's thing. And you could smoke to find laser beams for hidden traps, which was kind mm-hmm. of fun. And it actually lowered your health when you smoked. Yeah, but it's like even that is a a nice touch that you're like, oh yeah, the smoke from this yeah. is doing is showing off the laser beams. It's uh it's just so bizarre, but it's like it was it's so oh. ahead of its time. I mean, look at and like I said, Metal Gear Solid Three, I think was the pinnacle of PS2 gaming. The damage in that game, if you broke a bone, you move slower, and you actually had to find materials to splint it mm-hmm. and heal it. Um, you had to get bitten by snakes you, as well. You had to feed yourself. So if you made food and it was rotten, it'd give you a stomachache and your stomach rumblings would alert cards that you're nearby. Mm-hmm. Or or you would have diarrhea and they would smell it and they were like, oh God, something, you know. Yeah. It was that adaptive. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you you broke your leg. You know, like I said, you broke your leg, you move slower. You don't see that really in gaming too much. No, no, not at all. Um, And then you go off into um, just how... Like you said, suspenseful, but I mean how it was a it wasn't a create your own story, it was a create your own how you got to the story. Yes. Yeah, I think that was I think that was innovative in that in that aspect. Um it, it's not a game without its flaws. There's there's things that would change. I mean the especially with Metal Gear Solid Five being a two part game and Keith or Sutherland came into voice and it turns out you're not Snake or you're not Big Boss, turns out you're a mind altered clone almost of him mm-hmm. and it leads into the original first game okay Koja, kojima let's dial it back a little bit buddy and 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 not make it so weird yeah um, well i mean <laughs> i i will say like for me it's like okay like playing playing the second game um the story is very hard to follow 
And then even getting ready for this recording, I, I was trying to watch like people trying to explain the whole story and you're just like it, your mind's going to melt because they kind of almost like you were uh, you were saying to me um, before we started recording. It's like they kind of almost are like retconning things. Yeah. And changing things as it goes. Yeah. And so. And it doesn't line up always. Yeah, so it's kind of like it's like the unreliable narrator. <laughs> like it is wrote. now. I'll link in the in our and when we post this episode, I'll link a description on YouTube. It's a video that shows not only development of the game chronologically, like when he first started developing it to the last game, but also explains a little bit of the story and also kind of explains what's going on behind the scenes with Konami and Kojima mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah, I think it's pretty. Uh, I think it'll be pretty informative for this discussion. Oh, absolutely. Um. You know, I think that I think we'll, we'll we'll wrap this part up by saying, you know, I think for me it was innovative gaming. It was really got me into gaming as a story deliverance method. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, there's some some flaws in the game, and we'll go into that in our hot takes right now. takes what are they going to say this week so adam i'll let you i've been dominating the conversation do you have what kind of hot takes you have in your limited playthroughs yeah i mean it's just like the story got really messy and um i i always just felt kind of almost like i can't jump in Mm. to it if if that makes sense because it's like i don't get the story and again like i i just like i played the metal gear solid 2 and i played it through the entire way um and i had a ton of fun playing it like it was super fun um i loved the tactics i loved the stealth i loved all that but the story got so weird um and part of it i did like it it was like oh yeah the thing where the um, general starts glitching out. Yeah, because he's an AI. Yeah, out, and know. then, um, like they would do the like whatever fish and mailed, um, <laughs> where it would do like the game over screen. But you're but still playing you, in the corner. You're yeah, still playing in the corner, and it's just like okay, like this is it. It's a franchise that keeps you on your toes. Yeah, it does. And my, I, I, I think my hot take on that piece is. I really don't think they needed to make five. I think four was a great ending piece because four actually wrapped up one, two, and three in the one nice box. Mm-hmm. It it touched into things that you just learned about in three because three was the most recent game before four, but it was a prequel and it was the first game in the series mm-hmm. technically. Um, it brought back you playing a snake exclusively except he's old and it, it's nice because he's old and he's not like a fast guy and he, you've got to take your time and mm-hmm. if you... Um, you know, introduce the stress system. So if he gets too stressed in the battlefield, he shakes when he tries to shoot, and you've got to smoke to calm down a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, so it tied everything nice into a nice bow without me wanting more. Besides the fact I wanted more, I think five was unnecessary in terms of, like I said, it retconned a lot of things into the very first Metal Gear game from the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, it brought Kiefer Sutherland in the voice Snake who. Keith and Sutherland, I mean, he did 24. Okay. 
Yeah, he has a good voice. I mean, I'm not gonna. He <laughs> he did that Designated Survivor show for a little bit. That was it was good, but he is not a snake. He is not that. Look at Kurt Russell in Escape from New York. That's what he's modeled on. Yeah, and I think, and going into just kind of, I, I don't. Uh, me being a big uh, John Carpenter fan, I'm wearing my John Carpenter shirt right now. Um, but um, I. Um, I always found that, like, especially Kurt Russell's portrayals in the in John Carpenter movies, he always based them off of kind of other actors. Mm-hmm. So it's like for Escape from New York, um, Snake Plissken was based uh, on uh, Clint Eastwood, I believe. Yeah. And, like, Big Trouble in Little China, I believe he was based on, like, John Wayne. Um, so it's kind of like he... Um, it's almost a caricature of that Kurt Russell. Yeah. Like the, the grumbly like voice and all that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so it's like, I, 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 I'm fine. Like if they're not taking themselves seriously, which I think David Hayer, um, really like embraced kind of the, yes, the bizarre nature of the, of the story. Um, and it, it just worked. Um, and, uh, like, even in Metal Gear Solid 2, he's, he's, they're like, oh, are you going to be okay? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm good. Points to his bandana, he's like, infinite, infinite ammo. ammo. Yeah, which is something, if you, once you played the first new ones, you earn infinite ammo. You could get infinite ammo for, and it's a headband. But yeah. it's kind of like, there's, he kind of felt like, I mean, he's taking it seriously, but he's not... He's he's aware that there's and and Konami style and Kojima style. Yes, yeah. yeah. And I felt like I mean I played through um, five a little bit and I'm I'm working my way through it, but it's uh, I feel like it's taking itself way too seriously, except for the quiet bits. Um, the with the the girl quiet. Yeah. She uh, sometimes it gets a little like you're kind of get a little uncomfortable. Like a little pervy, it feels like. Yeah, and it's like I don't. I'm not trying to be a pervert. Kojima, <laughs> what are you doing? Stop making me look. Don't make me zoom in. Yeah, it's like, it's the helicopter. Like, if you ride on the helicopter, she'll start, like, getting all... Undressed. Undressed and bo- hot and bothered. I mean, let's be honest. It takes itself too seriously, but then you have to have, in Metal Gear Solid Five your dog. With an eye patch and a knife in his mouth. Yeah, but that was cool. <laughs> That's kind of the Foxhound yeah. reference. It is. It is. Um, but I, I'm like, it just felt like with Kiefer Sutherland, I guess it's just like he's taking it like he's he's Jack Bauer again. Yeah, and I mean, I appreciate that that he took it seriously, but I really think David Hayter, since he's voiced Snake and and Big Boss in the, in the prequels and all the games up until this point. Why are you changing it now? Well, I you've guess done. That's a good question. Yeah. Like, why did that happen? They never really talked about it. Really? No. I mean, David Hayter said he felt that he needed to always. They always made him re-audition for the role. Um. So he always felt like his job could be on the line, but he had no idea they were making Metal Gear Solid Five. Um. And then you know the pre the previous year, Revengeance came out, and it was yeah. a sword swashling. Riding centric game that yeah, had that was no mention like, uh, in the snake and yeah, that was the story like a, really. 
Devil May Cry or Bayonetta yeah, kind of, kind of thing. Um, and I think it was it was okay. It was it was fun for what it was. It never furthered the storyline. It knew it wasn't going to further further the storyline for Metal Gear too much. Mm-hmm. But you know you have you know David Hayter. He he played the role for like eight or nine games. Yeah. And then you have all of a sudden like, oh, we're gonna have Keith Sutherland for the new generation. I'm like, that just makes no sense. Yeah. I, I'd be curious to know the behind the scenes of that. And I mean, granted, we probably won't. No, no, because the whole Konami Kojima gate, yeah, thing and split. And yeah, I mean, and I I hope they continue to make not even so much Metal Gear games, but I hope they remake some of them. I hope they bring back some of the cast, and I hope that they um. Kojima keeps making games because he is a great storyteller. Yeah, no, I, I've uh, I've read some stuff on some of the gaming websites uh, that uh, he's like he's planning on more games with Sony. Um, even agreed to do a game for Microsoft. Yep. Um, and I'm like, hey, like he is a legend in in the in the gaming community. Um, I never played Death Stranding. Did you? It did. I mean, I haven't beat it yet, and it, it's different. Okay. It's fun. It's different. It wasn't what I expected when I said it was a Kojima game. Yeah. And then, uh, but I never got, I never tried the, uh, whatever the, would you even call it an expansion? The Metal Gear Survive, which is the. No, I never played it. The online yeah, version. Or it's, yeah, it's like a zombie game. Yeah. Zomb- no, I never played it. Yeah. I, it wasn't a Metal Gear Solid game, so I was like, I'm, I'm okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I think adding... For Metal Gear Solid Five, I, I think adding the open world, the freedom to really actually like do whatever you wanted yeah. and accomplish your missions however you want is very Metal Gear, is very yeah. cool. But I definitely... Um, it got to a point where I... Uh, I was just like, oh, this is all getting to to be a little much, um, like kidnapping soldiers and yeah, and it was always funny too. Like, oh yeah, knock them out and then put a balloon on them, and, <laughs> and they're like, okay, you're the boss. Yep, now. yep. Um, and I mean, and that's the kind of fun thing about that game was it took place during the Russian Afghanistan war, so kind of yeah, seeing a fictionalized version of that a little bit was fun. Um, I think another hot take for me in this franchise is just how off the wall the story is. And we've talked about that a little bit. I mean, yeah, I it's, mean it's 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 complicated. <laughs> it's hard to follow, especially if not if you've never played more than one or two games and you really try to deep dive into it. You're like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Um, and I've played all the mainline games. I really never played the portable games on like the portable ops or or. Uh, yeah, those Peace were, Walker. Those were always on like PSP, PSP and, and I just I never had a PSP in order. I want one. Yeah, that um, was a <laughs> failed <laughs> failed uh, console. And I, and I they even bought P, the one of the PSP games to the PlayStation as a port, but because of the PSP's limited technology, instead of cutscenes, it was like comic book action pains. Okay. And I was just like, okay, I can't. I just couldn't get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think. It's it's hard, especially because we can't replay the first four games. It's really hard, unless you own the old consoles. Yeah. It's really hard now to get involved and really get into the series. And I really that's why I really wish we have a remake of it because it would introduce it to new fans and and yeah. open up that possibility. Yeah. Well, I, I've I've kind of said about a lot of 
um, games, it's like I almost wish I could play them again for the first time. And like that is Metal Gear Solid 4 for me. And like for Metal Gear Solid 2, it's like I would love to because that was a game where I was like frustrated and pissed off and I, I just couldn't. I'd be almost throwing my controller across the room, but. I, I I do treasure that like experience that I had yeah because it was like it was it again it was kind of like a f- my first foray really into more gaming as kind of like an art form yeah like in terms of storytelling in terms of oh yeah visuals and it just kind of it it kind of made me changed my perception it did for me especially gaming. I um, you, you looked at it as you know, you're you're seeing these action shots, and not so much like action hero poses, but like you remember in that in, in Metal Gear Solid Two when you're fighting um, Fortune, the female mercenary. Yes, and she like she stands there, and you know the hair's kind of waving, and you get the action scene, and she's got her big ass railgun. Yeah, and she's telling the story of how she's doing this because her husband died in the la- in the beginning mission that you play as Snake has. You get these rich storytelling and in, in these moments and these characters. Yeah. Um, you look at um, Snake's sidekick Ocelot, not Ocelot, um, Otacon, and in his Otacon, and his 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 story and how he you know he he talks about his sister in that game and oh yeah, there's that connection and how his sister or he let his father drown. Yeah. Because his father was touching people. Yeah, and then his sister. Dies in, in yeah two and and, and, he, and she finally very... forgave him forgave him because she didn't know why he let their dad die yeah um it's just very rich storytelling that you really didn't see yeah um and I know we keep touching on that subject but it, for me that is as actors and as just consumers of this media this is what made me go yeah I can get into this media because I want to know the story yeah it's like it's like reading a good book it's like watching a good movie which. They are been they've been talking about it for a while, wanting to make a Metal Gear Solid movie, and the na- latest thing is Oscar Isaac signed on to play Snake. Yeah, I saw something <laughs> about that. I can get behind that. I mean, I like Oscar Isaac. Um, I just really hope they actually follow the the games and not try to do a new take on a story. Yeah, I mean, is again like I I'll, I'll echo what you said. I I'm a I'm always a a in terms of media, anything that has a, a rich story, mm-hmm. I can get behind. I can, yeah. I can enjoy. Um, and this, this game definitely, and like this franchise has always been thinking of kind of its, its lore, its, yeah. its narrative. Um, I was going to ask also, um, do you think a lot of stuff gets kind of lost in translation? Like maybe some of the bizarre moments Aren't as bizarre in Japan. In, in Japan or in Japanese. No. <laughs> it's just like weird translations. I, I think maybe maybe it's from the translation, but the story itself, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Because they it wasn't like they made this Japanese game and they had some voiceover actors. They made it simultaneously with English actors. Yeah. And you think like if Kojima is probably still ha- is like involved like he has to sign off on oh yeah like oh yeah everything so it's kind of like it's not like oh, it's fine we'll have this weird english dub or whatever yeah and, and going back to your point where they say they don't take themselves too seriously um i know you didn't play the remake of original metal gear solid when it mm-hmm. came out on gamecube but to the point they don't take themselves so seriously and 
Snake, yes, he's an action hero, but he's not this infallible Captain America kind of character. Yeah. In in one of the boss battles, there's this Indian big Indian guy, I forgot his name. I'll think of it at some point, I'm sure. And he's driving a tank and you're trying to avoid the tank and he's shooting at you. And Snake dodges a tank shell and it lands on his back and he's getting up like, oh god, that hurts. Oh, yeah. Like, too, it's like you could slip on bird shit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's like that that could give away. And you could knock yourself out. Yeah. Or if you cartwheeled off stairs and, and, and he, it's too many stairs, you could yeah. knock yourself out. Yeah, I cartwheel naked. And... <laughs> I mean, even to the point where when you're hiding in those, in those cardboard boxes, if you're not hiding in a cardboard box meant for that section, the guards look at you and go, that's not right. <laughs> or, or you put out like... Uh, couldn't you put out like porn magazines? Yeah, porn. <laughs> and they'd be like, you know what? You could open some lockers and there'd be porn. Like, like they're not naked, but I mean, like swimsuit swim, models. Japanese swimsuit models on the inside of the locker doors. Yes. Um, yeah. It, it, it's definitely a franchise that I felt had a lot of great ideas, yeah. innovative ways to experience the game to. Um, to choose how you play the game um, and then how the world interacts with you while you play it. And also, like, you're not invincible. Like, no. you are very vulnerable um, throughout the, like, the the gameplay. So it's it's better to take that stealthy approach. Yeah, and, I mean, and we'll t- I'll, I'll close my... I'll, I'll, I'll guess it's a good segue into our conclusions for this episode. Yeah. You know, it... It is adaptive and to the point where I remember if you set an off, uh, off enough alarms, instead of just having up guard patrols, they would sit in SWAT teams with bulletproof shields after you, and they would stack up. Oh, yeah. Um, and they would start searching more vigorously. Um, and it wasn't like you could hide in the locker indefinitely or hide in a cardboard box, or in some cases, hang on a railing because you had a stamina gauge, and it would give out and you'd fall. Yeah. The only way to up the stamina gauge is to do more chin-ups yeah. throughout the game. <laughs> so, I mean, it was innovative in that sense, I think. Um, and I think in conclusion, I think as a as a new gamer in the early 2000s and, and getting into owning my own console and buying games I wanted to consume, I think this was a great eye-opener into the story building that you can have in video games. It wasn't just a platformer where I'm saving the princess or I'm Sonic and going really fast to get the rings. Yeah. Um, and it didn't have to be the violent. And I, I like the, the Grand Theft Auto games. It didn't have to be that ultra violent yeah. kind of game. And it was still violent. You shot people in the head. There was some graphic violence in it, but it wasn't over the top. Yeah. It was for the story. It was that artistic way to get a story across in a medium where I can control part of the narrative and how I get to that story. Exactly. I mean, you still always get to to the cutscene. It's just, like you said before, it's how you get there. Yeah. And that can completely change. I mean, and you probably didn't know this, and another fun way Kojima didn't take himself seriously, but still was kind of serious, when in the first game, if you wanted to save, they gave you a frequency. You know, and then they had the codec. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to talk to someone, there's a special codec code on the back of the CD case. Oh, really? Yeah, in the in in the, the artwork, there's a co- there's a code there, and you could use that to communicate right away. It's, and and it was just like, well, don't you know, Snake? It's on the back of your of your cover. Yeah. And you're like, huh? 
It, and then, it, it breaks the fourth wall. It does a bit. A lot. <laughs> yeah, but then if you're someone who bought one of those secondhand games from Blockbuster, you didn't get that. He had, yeah, a, he had a game facket. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you couldn't uh, do that with uh, the Blockbuster stuff. So, no. But, I mean, it was it, there's another way that they were like, hey, you know, let's be creative. You know, everyone just gets their, their gaming cartridge and go, oh, I don't care about the hardware. Who cares? Instruction manual. Yeah. Plug and play. And this was like, oh, wait. You Flip gotta, this around, you especially when three and four start coming out. I'm like, let me look at the co- the cover because there's always something crazy about it. Or yeah, and then also like the whole idea of like you need to plug your controller into port, port two. two. Yeah, or I like you need to restart your console. Or it's like and you're like uh uh uh. It's it, it, uh, he Kojima definitely yeah well, again changed the game in terms this, of when when that came out. There wasn't this YouTube community where I'm like, oh, I expect this, and uh, like, and you didn't know what to do. You were like, oh, check the internet. It's for as you waited for DSL to dial in, and you're sitting there going, but it's like you you kind of almost hear more from your friends. Yeah, like, oh, by the way, it's kind of yeah, word of mouth, (laughs) word of mouth. So I mean, I think we'll wrap this episode up. I think if you guys have the opportunity to, and I'll I'll link it in in our in our in our post. If you have the opportunity to figure out it, getting into this franchise and you know if you have the older consoles i recommend and if you can pick up these games pick them up and hopefully one day there'll be a remake and we can talk about it and that'll be my geek record of the week when it, when it happens um but i think if you are looking for a new franchise to get involved with this is a great starter franchise to yeah it's gonna be weird there's gonna be some stuff where you're scratching your head and wondering what are they talking about why do they like this kind of game but I, I think for a new gamer, it's a, it's a good franchise to start with. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, especially, like, the isometric kind of view. Mm-hmm. Um, Third def- person kind of over the shoulder a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it kind of helps a lot to get an idea. I probably would not start with uh, 5 because it's it's complicated. And well, and five's a two-parter, too. Yeah, I, 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 I think I'm a pretty good gamer, but <laughs> sometimes I get overwhelmed by 5, so... Yeah. I'm like I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> but uh, it yeah I think it's a uh, it's a good franchise and yeah I mean I'd be I'm curious to see what Konami is gonna do with it. Um, it's probably not gonna be involving Kojima. Kojima might unless he's got intellectual rights to it. I don't know. I don't know what the right story is that. Yeah, but I know he's. Uh, I think they're they uh, Konami announced they're making they are making a Silent Hill game. Yep. Which he was previously supposed to be making. Yeah. Well, he was heavily involved in Silent Hill games beforehand, too. Yeah. But it's like, that became a big point. Yeah. Where they canceled that, and he left, and all that. But it's like, uh, I, I'm curious to see um, the Silent Hill games make me terrified. <laughs> but... Uh. Uh, but no, I, I I'm I'm just kind of curious, like what franchise, like what this franchise is gonna do. All right, well, folks, I think that wraps it up for for this week. I'm talking about Metal Gear Solid. Um, Adam, it's time for our geek wreck of the week. It's time for the geek wreck of the week. What are the geeks going to recommend? Adam, what is your geek wreck? Oh, um, well, um, I've been watching, uh. The new Guillermo del Toro um, series on Netflix. I've Cabinet, heard about this one. Cabinet of Curiosities. 
very creepy. Um, I know it's not spooky season anymore, but some people really like spooky season year-round. Um, and uh, I'm not ready for Christmas <laughs> at all. I'm not ready for all that crap. <laughs> but um, I, I've i been watching a few episodes, and it's actually really well done. Um, it's different directors kind of doing, um, like, kind of almost, like, short stories or mini-series mm-hmm. kind of okay. thing. And the stories are kind of very self-contained. Um, so I've been watching that. And then um, I've been watching some of the Constantine movies uh that you recommended uh for me on, oh yeah on the justice league dark ones and stuff yeah. yeah so those are those are also really good uh again it's not spooky season but uh, but it's constantine i don't think it has to be sp- it's not spooky yeah. it's comic book season yeah i just was kind of like oh you know what like let me let me yeah, check these those out are, and those are good see series. Kinda what's going on and i think the uh i think they announced uh they're doing a sequel to the Keanu Reeves one. Yes. But I know some people had some problems with Keanu's portrayal of John because he was American. He had yeah. brown hair. Um, and really, he only cast one spell in the whole movie. In the whole movie. Yeah. But um, and the, everyone really likes this Matt Ryan guy. Um, I'll have to watch the, the live action show. And see kind of what that one's about. I never got that one, yeah. I mean, maybe they can um, put it on HBO Max. They yeah. need content. They need <laughs> content. So so let me let me touch on your Guillermo del Toro reference. You remember when he was announced to be doing The Hobbit? Yes. Can you imagine how much better that series would have been if he was the director for all three? Did you actually watch the... So, when, when the first Hobbit came out, I saw it in the theater. I wasn't that impressed. Yeah. But... When I rewatched it as the extended editions, I liked it a lot more. I mean, I didn't like the fact that Peter Jackson used a lot more like CG. CG. Yeah. But and and Legolas. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a problem for me. I mean It wasn't a problem until it was not great de-aging. Yeah. But I'm I'm I just was kind of like, eh, it's better. I mean, still Lord of the Rings. Oh, I just rewatched Two Towers the other day. I mean, oh, great, great Chef's movies. Kiss. Um, but I, uh, but yeah, I, I kind of was like, they're not, they're, they're not bad. They weren't horrible. I really wish, and we'll have, I'm sure we'll do an episode on, on the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings with our resident Hobbit expert. Um, it who's the resident Hobbit expert? Mary. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a. I really wish it wasn't a, a trilogy. It was yeah. it was a little long winded, and I know they adapted some of the Similarian and and backstory and some stuff for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I get that, and that was cool and all, but not needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, God, can you imagine how great his entire trilogy would have been if he was the sole director and creative purpose on that one? It'd be, it'd be darker. I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. So it like I mean I love Guillermo del Toro. I mean he Hellboy. Oh. It's, it's don't see the new one. Uh, I've never seen. Recent. I have it's, not. I've only seen the first. It's not worth with, it. And, uh, um, but Ron Perlman. Yeah, the Ron Perlman is always going to be Hellboy. But um, and then uh, the animated films of that. Yeah, both very good. And Guillermo was heavily involved mm-hmm. in those. But um, yeah, no, I mean uh, Pan's Labyrinth, I think is one of the most beautiful films ever made. Um, I did like Shape of Water. <laughs> Not a, it wasn't everyone's cup of tea. No. <laughs> but um 
I'm I love everything Guillermo does. So um, I was what I have to check out the, the what do you call it the cabinet? It's called the Cabinet of Curiosities. Curiosities. All right, and so he's kind of it's kind of almost like a like a how do I say it like a, almost like a, he's kind of the host. Okay, and. He's introducing like, like a film. modern tales of the crypt. Yeah, that that's a bit, that's okay a way to put it. So cool. Uh, but it, he's just fantastic, and I've I've loved all his work. So I um, I highly recommend it. Uh, okay. To check out. Awesome. Well, I guess my rec this week will be Tales of the Jedi on Disney Plus. Ooh, I gotta check that out. That I mean, it's they're fifteen minute episodes. They're short. Six episodes, but it is so good because you've got if you if you've consumed a lot of the animated Star Wars film or tr- shows like uh, Rebels and Clone Wars, you get a lot of that. You get that style of animation. Mm-hmm. Dave Filoni is the creative director behind it, and mm-hmm. I mean he helped Mandalorian. He did Clone Wars. He's done Bad Batch. He's done Rebels. He knows Star Wars. I think almost better than Lucas at this point, and that's fine with me because he's got a very concise like good storytelling narrative and how it should work. And he was also on, heavily involved in Avatar, Last Airbender. Yeah, he, he directed and wrote a few. Yeah, uh, like some and of produced it. a lot of it. Um, but, I mean, you've got three episodes about Ahsoka from her birth, what she's doing after Anakin falls to the dark side and before she goes to the Rebels. Um, and then you've got Dooku's fall to the dark side as a story. That would be interesting. It is, because you don't have it, and you've got Yaddle, who makes an appearance, mm-hmm. voiced by uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, that's um, nice. <laughs> in, uh, Liam Neeson comes back as Qui-Gon for an episode. Mm-hmm. His son voices a young Qui-Gon when he's still a Padawan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you've got an hour and a half to kill, it's a quick, easy, fun series. Okay. Is is uh, Dooku's lightsaber curved? Yep, and it's blue. It's blue? It's I blue. would have always said he'd, he'd have a green one. No, it's blue. Ah, I guess so. What do I know? I, yeah. I guess it's... Oh, and Ian McDermott's back as Palpatine for an episode. Nice, but I like for me. It's like I, I know there's like supposed to be some sort of lore behind the different colors of the. It changes. Blades. It was one way before pre Disney, and it's a different way after Disney. Yeah, I mean, like, I think after Disney, it was just that's the color you get. Yeah, and pre Disney, it was like different colors represented different classes, like yellow, and yellow still is like temple guards and mm-hmm. like and those kind of things. But there's orange. There's the gambit of colors, even to the point in Rebels where Ahsoka's got. White lightsabers. Yeah. You've seen it in, in Mandalorian. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I I was uh, I just was always curious. Like, it, yeah, I always thought he'd have a green lightsaber just because <laughs> it's like his he, he was Yoda's apprentice yeah. and it was kind of. But I I always loved uh, Christopher Lee's portrayal of oh, that God, character, yeah. like just so commanding and like like creepily good with oh with yeah a sword. <laughs> well, and. You know, I, and going back to the lightsaber colors, I'll tell you this much. I know pre-Disney takeover, Star Wars, red lightsabers were synthetic crystals. Hmm. And that's why they were, they couldn't go to the Jedi plant to get crystals. Yeah. Oh, no. And did they blow up, um, what was the planet? Island? Yeah, whatever yeah, planet. That's Starkiller base. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and in the Disney in Disneyverse. Yeah. Um, and in Disney versions, I actually almost like this explanation better. The crystals have been bled with dark energy mm. to make them red. Okay. And Ahsoka's is white now because she took a red crystal and purified it. Oh, shiny. Yeah. So, well, I guess that, I think that wraps us up for the day, folks, for uh, this week's episode, uh, week two of Joystick November. And uh, we want to thank you guys for listening. Yep. Uh, get, leave us a comment. 
and let us know what you thought of this week's episode and and see if you, let us know if you played Metal Gear Solid or yeah, or any can, other franchise that you that got you into gaming. Yeah, and Matt will just tell you you're wrong. Well, constantly. only about Xbox. <laughs> you're a pain in the ass. I am. I'm going to be this entire month. <laughs> Um, but thanks again, folks, for listening. Follow us on social media at Geek Drink Pod yep. on all the major podcast and all the major podcast platforms. You can subscribe and listen to us at Have a Drink with Some Geeks. Yep. Um, like I said, leave a comment. Let us know what you what you like. Yeah, what, and if you drives have your any, gaming needs. Yeah, if you, we'd love to know what your uh, what kind of got you into gaming. Yeah, that's uh, that's always uh, a fun topic. Yeah. Well, thanks again, folks. Um, we will catch you guys next week for week three of Joystick November. Yep. All right, have a good week. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Tune in next week to see what our geeky host will discuss next week. Goodbye. (laughs) 